This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. Sponsored by Amazon, Audible, HostGator, Gamefly, and supporters of independent media like you. Welcome to the Humanist Report. My name is Mike Figueredo, and this is the 45th episode of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by our latest Patreon patrons, as well as our latest members on humanistreport.com. Today, we have Elu Mompitsa, who is a new member. We also have Mark Bousquet, who is a VIP member. And on Patreon, we have Jackie Perpura, as well as Michael Doyle. So thank you to everyone who has signed up to support the show. Uh, if you would like to sign up to become a Patreon patron or a member on humanistreport.com, you can visit the links in the description box down below. But even if you don't want to do that, you can support the show by using our Amazon link to shop or by whitelisting us on Adblock, so that way if an ad plays on one of our videos, uh, your browser will play it. Uh, but if not, as long as you're watching, that's all I care about. So thank you to everyone who does support independent media. Today is a special episode because we have officially passed a ginormous milestone on the channel. 50,000 subscribers. To me, this is honestly mind-blowing because for someone to just set up a camera and a microphone and have an audience this big, it it's unbelievable to me still. And when I initially started The Humanist Report, I thought that I would probably get a couple hundred subscribers because I tried to do everything I can to make it appear professional and like I was a pro, but obviously <laughs> I was an amateur. That was about a year ago. Uh, and for whatever reason, just more and more people slowly but surely began to watch. Uh, and now the fact that we get thousands and thousands of views per week we get 1 million views per month on average it honestly is just crazy to me so really it, it's to all the people who come back and continue to watch who share the videos who recommend the the uh, channel to their friends it's because of you guys that um we can keep this going so it's honestly just mind-blowing uh thank you guys so much unbelievable the next milestone is 100,000 uh and <laughs> that's that to me is a whole nother story we could conceivably get there by the end of this year but for now let's just focus on 50,000 how crazy is that so thank you to everyone uh, I will be doing a live Q&A in the coming weeks I can't really plan that right now because I'm in the midst of finals I also have a ton of papers to grade and exams to grade so I can't really do anything besides focus on that because I'm on a really strict timeline to get those done but when it's over, I will do a live Q&A to kind of thank you guys. You guys can ask me anything. Uh, so on today's episode, let's get right to the details. So I have a ton of topics together. So first, third-party candidates Gary Johnson and Jill Stein are polling at unprecedented numbers against Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And also on the topic of third-party candidates, Gary Johnson taunted Donald Trump and Jill Stein made a feminist case against Hillary Clinton. Uh, and I absolutely love everything they both had to say. Now, additionally, a new poll shows that 71% of Democrats want Hillary Clinton to continue running even if she's indicted by the Justice Department. So I will cover this ridiculous report. Also, um, a report from the Associated Press illustrates that Hillary Clinton actually plants questions in audiences or actually tries to. Now, furthermore, Harry Reid wants Bernie Sanders to drop out. So I'll talk about that. And on the topic of Bernie Sanders, I will discuss how he offended Senator Barbara Boxer by calling her establishment and how he actually pushed President Obama to the left. Now, also, Donald Trump says that Hillary Clinton... She has to go to jail. <laughs> so I'll talk about that and also how some of his supporters were assaulted at a Trump rally in San Jose, California. And finally, I will discuss National Dump Dems Day and talk about how we will leave the party in protest on July 29th, the day after the convention, if Bernie Sanders does not emerge as the Democratic nominee. All of these topics will be discussed. Stick around. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Senator Barbara Boxer has had a vendetta against Bernie Sanders and his supporters ever since she was booed off the stage at the Nevada convention for antagonizing the crowd after the Democratic Party in Nevada rigged the election right in front of them. Now, she was on MSNBC to discuss Bernie Sanders' statement about Governor Jerry Brown's endorsement of Hillary Clinton, and this is what she had to say. For Bernie to say that Jerry Brown is establishment yeah. is kind of the biggest <laughs> joke of the day. And he called me establishment. And you know, and when people read the book, they'll see I have fought 
you know, a lot of the establishment my entire life. Just because you're supporting Hillary doesn't mean you're, quote, the establishment. It means you're progressive and you want to see her. She's so qualified for this post and she's just what we need. And I just, you know, I love Bernie. He's my friend for a long time, but you can't just diss everybody who supports Hillary Clinton. But he believes in some. So there are multiple things that I take issue with there. So she said, Bernie Sanders even calls me establishment. And when people read the book, they'll see that I fought against the establishment. Okay, so they'll read the book that you had ghostwritten for you that will, I'm sure, be completely objective, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's just going to say great things about you and will prove that you're just not establishment, won't it, Barbara? Now, here's the thing that's frustrating that she can't seem to fathom. When he's calling you establishment, he's not insulting you. The term establishment is a value-neutral term. It's just factual. He's not calling you a poopy face. He's calling you establishment because it is the case that you are, in fact, establishment. Your donors are Emily's List, Time Warner, Disney, Cisco, Viacom. You're also a multimillionaire trapped in that Washington, D.C. bubble. You have the same donors as Hillary Clinton. So when he calls you establishment, he's not doing it to be demeaning or be sexist or to be insulting. He's just stating a fact. You are part of the Democratic Party establishment. You are part of the aggregate corrupt political establishment. That's a fact. If you don't like the fact, then that means that you don't like yourself. So what is it going to be? Do you like yourself or do you not? Your book says you're tough. The art of the tough, right? It should be the art of corruption, but your book says you're tough. So if you're establishment, then own it. Maybe change the establishment. Try to not be so corrupt, but you don't want to do that. You love being corrupt. You love taking over $1 million from Emily's list, don't you? Another thing she says is, just because you're supporting Hillary Clinton, it doesn't mean you're, quote, the establishment. It just means you're progressive. No, in actuality, it means that you're conservative. It's really simple to me. If you're progressive, you don't support the candidate that voted for the Iraq War, that voted for the Patriot Act, that pushed for intervention in Syria, that fought against a 61 cent an hour minimum wage in Haiti, that supported a coup in Honduras, that supports a Syrian no-fly zone, that supports the death penalty, that doesn't want to legalize marijuana, that doesn't support a $15 minimum wage. These are all things that she has in common with Republicans. So if you do support Hillary Clinton, you are not progressive, you are conservative. If you don't like that, then I'm sorry. Again, you just don't like the facts about Hillary Clinton. These are not progressive policy positions. These are conservative policy positions. There's a reason why on the political compass test, Hillary Clinton falls in the same quadrant as Republicans in the right-leaning authoritarian category, because that's what she is. You can look at her policies and it obviously makes sense. That's exactly where she lies. But Boxer continues, Hillary is just what we need. <laughs> we need someone who actually is literally being investigated by the FBI. We also need someone who has really high unfavorability ratings. In fact, historically high unfavorability ratings. <laughs> you know what else we need, guys? We need someone who loses to Donald Trump in multiple polls. She can't even beat a buffoon. Chicken shit Trump. She can't even beat him. She loses to him. We need that person. <laughs> this is what Barbara Boxer means when she says we need Hillary Clinton. She's saying that her donors need Hillary Clinton, you see, because she has the same donors as Hillary Clinton. Time Warner, they're also one of Hillary Clinton's largest donors. They're also a big donor to Barbara Boxer. So when she says this is what we need, she's not talking about you and me. She's talking about we as in me and Hillary Clinton's donors. That's what we need. So it's very clear. She didn't say that. But you have to dive deep to see it. That's why she's saying this ridiculous stuff that we need Hillary Clinton. And here's what's sad. If you would have asked me before this election uh, what I thought about Barbara Boxer, I would have told you that she's maybe one of the few senators that don't make me nauseated when she speaks. But she has totally went above and beyond to discredit herself and make herself look bad. She has drug her own name through the mud. Like many people in this election, I mean, we're seeing the true colors of many people. Rachel Maddow, who we thought was a progressive warrior. Chris Hayes. So many people are proving that they are just as corrupt, if not more, than the Republicans because they are so beholden to their donors that they're even willing to say the most ridiculous things ever that uh, we just need Hillary Clinton. Yes, we need the potentially criminal, historically unfavorable candidate. We absolutely need that, Barbara. <laughs> Kudos to you. That's just, that's genius logic right there, honestly. Senator Harry Reid, who many contend is a, quote, friend of Bernie Sanders, 
had some really unkind words to say about Bernie Sanders. So when asked whether Bernie Sanders should remain in the race until the convention, he said that while Bernie Sanders has the right to remain in the race, no, I don't think he should. I don't know what that's going to prove. Sometimes you just have to give up. I've lost before. The numbers aren't there. And he also said that Bernie Sanders needs to realize that math is math. Now, he also said, I've never been too good at math, but I can figure that one out. I think he better do a little mathing, but I don't think I'm the one to deliver that message. If he calls and asks me, I'll be happy to, but I'm not going to go chasing him around to tell him what math is. Bernie Sanders is not stupid, neither are his supporters, so you don't actually have to talk down to us like we're children and be condescending. We know it's the case that Hillary Clinton does have a very large pledge delegate lead. But here's one thing you're not considering that you forgot about. The facts. I think that Harry Reid needs to do a little bit of facting. See, I can make up words too. So, in fact, you know what? I don't think you can do that. I'm going to do it for you because you've been very ignorant of the facts. So, when you say that Bernie Sanders should drop out of the race before the convention, when Hillary Clinton is currently undergoing a criminal investigation of the FBI, not only is that morally unethical, it's just downright negligent. Because since the beginning of the race, we have been hit over the heads with this electability argument saying that Bernie Sanders is not electable when it comes to any Republican, so we should vote for Hillary Clinton because of that. And now, you have someone who could potentially save the party if she is indicted, and you're saying he should drop out? Look, here's the deal. Let's get to the facts something that Harry Reid doesn't want to consider. So when it comes to Hillary Clinton, she's being investigated on two different fronts. One is for her use of a private email server, and another is for the role the Clinton Foundation played while she was Secretary of State. Now, based on the evidence we have thus far, it does appear as though FBI Director James Comey will recommend an indictment. So here are the facts. Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server was not authorized and violated the Federal Records Act, according to an audit conducted by the State Department's Inspector General. We also know that Hillary Clinton threatened national security by refusing to notify security officials after there were multiple attempts to hack her private email server. Now, we know that there was top secret information that is the highest level of classification that she generated and sent out on her unsecured private email server, thus threatening national security. She also posted the names to hidden intelligence officials on her unsecured email, potentially blowing their covers. And furthermore, when it comes to the other aspect of her investigation, the Clinton Foundation failed to disclose 1,100 donations, according to Bloomberg, maybe because these donations correlate with State Department deals that she doesn't want us to know about. And also... The IT guy who set up her personal email server is now pleading the fifth. Those are the facts, Harry Reid. Do some facting. With all of those facts, you'd be ignorant to say that there's not even a small chance that Hillary Clinton will be indicted or that FBI Director James Comey will recommend an indictment. But even though there may be just a small chance that she's going to be indicted, you should never suggest that Bernie Sanders should drop out because he's what's going to save the Democratic Party if Hillary Clinton is indicted. Because if you are indicted, or even if a recommendation by the FBI is handed down that she should be indicted, that's devastating. That's absolutely devastating. So even if President Obama pardons her or the Justice Department refuses to actually charge her with anything, you don't want someone going up against Trump, a maniac, who will be accused of being a criminal in a general election. That's not smart. And furthermore, if you really want to talk about mathing, Harry Reid, let's do that. Bernie Sanders has consistently outperformed Hillary Clinton when it comes to general election matchups since the beginning of the election. And you want us to not only put up a candidate as the Democratic nominee who could be indicted, but who actually polls worse than Donald Trump in some polls? That's just reckless. You're just being reckless. So you can pretend to care about the math, but in actuality, you don't give a damn about the math. The only math you care about is the math that's going to affect you because Harry Reid is by the establishment for the establishment. Harry Reid is a multimillionaire worth $10 million. You see, he doesn't want Bernie Sanders to get in office because presumably he doesn't want Bernie Sanders to raise his taxes because Bernie Sanders will raise the marginal tax rate for people who make more than $10 million. So when Harry Reid gets out and is hired as a lobbyist and starts making 
making the big bucks. See, he doesn't like the idea of higher taxes from Bernie Sanders. So Harry Reid is fighting against Bernie Sanders tooth and nail because it serves his own self-interest. It doesn't matter if Donald Trump could become president. He knows that Donald Trump will give him a tax break. So in his eyes, Donald Trump is probably preferable to Bernie Sanders regardless of his insane foreign policy ideas, regardless of the literal fascist policies he's proposing, such as implementing a Muslim ID system. So make no mistake, Harry Reid is looking out for numero uno and is pretending to care about the math. But here's the thing about Harry Reid. He's going to be retiring soon. So you think Bernie Sanders should drop out early? I think you should drop out early, okay? 2017 can't come early enough, Harry, because you have done nothing. I don't see why you don't just drop out. Just quit right now because you're not doing anything. You're not fighting for anyone. You're just fighting for your rich donors. Just drop out now. We don't need you, Harry. You're not doing anything for us at all. I'm glad that you're retiring because you have done nothing but perpetuate the Democratic establishment status quo and help them to fight for their big corporate donors. You should be ashamed of yourself, Harry Reid. Good riddance. I'm glad that you're retiring. Zaid Jelani of The Intercept wrote a phenomenal article about how Bernie Sanders actually pushed President Obama to the left on the issue of social security. So in 2012, Obama's administration effectively argued to cut social security insurance by recalculating the way cost of living adjustments are made. Now, let me remind you that this was after he promised to not cut social security. So Jelani explains, the administration's budget proposed using the so-called chain consumer price index formula to calculate benefits instead, which would slow the rate of benefit increases in the future so as to reduce overall spending. Social Security Works estimated that under the chain CPI, the average beneficiary who just started receiving benefits would receive a yearly benefit $653 lower after 10 years. Now, this is what he said recently about Social Security. We can't afford to weaken Social Security. We should be strengthening Social Security, and not only do we need to strengthen its long-term health, it's time we finally made Social Security more generous and increased its benefits so that today's retirees and future generations get the dignified retirement that they've earned. So why is it the case that President Obama had a change of heart? Well, there's two reasons. First is that more than 2 million people signed a petition calling for him not to use the consumer price index formula. And the second reason is Bernie Sanders. He vowed to do everything in my power to block President Obama's proposal to cut benefits for Social Security recipients through a chain consumer price index. Then, Bernie Sanders mobilized a wide coalition of organizations, including veterans, women's rights groups, and labor unions to oppose chain CPI. Under this intense activist pressure, the White House was unable to convince its own allies in Congress that this change was worth the political costs. The next year, the chain CPI was quietly dropped from Obama's budget proposal. Now, the author also notes that Bernie Sanders got Hillary Clinton to move to the left as well because at first she initially was not in favor of lifting the cap of taxable income on Social Security, uh, and now she changed her mind on that. She is in favor of expanding Social Security. Now, an example of how he got Hillary to switch was he tweeted out, I urge Secretary Clinton to join me in saying loudly and clearly that we will never cut Social Security. And she replied by saying, I won't cut Social Security. As always, I'll defend it and I'll expand it. Enough with the false innuendos. But Bernie Sanders actually had a real reason not to trust Hillary Clinton. I've said it before and I've stated that there are two main reasons why you can't trust Hillary Clinton with your Social Security. Now, the first is because much like Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton is in bed with Wall Street, and like the Clintons have always done, they are out to appease their donors. And Bill Clinton actually tried to fully privatize Social Security. That's further than Bush wanted to go. Bush only wanted to, pri to partially privatize Social Security. Bill Clinton wanted to just fully privatize it, but thankfully... The Monica Lewinsky scandal actually stopped him from doing that because he no longer had the political capital to take on such a huge battle that would obviously make a lot of people hate him. So that stopped him. So she also said that she wants to means test Social Security. Let's talk about the implications of that for a minute. So if you means test Social Security, what that means is you increase... The, uh, the amount of benefits given to people on the bottom, the poorest people, and you decrease the amount of benefits given to people at the top. So effectively, it becomes a welfare program. Now, if you know anything about the polls in America, welfare programs do not poll very well. So by means testing Social Security 
and making it into a welfare program, you undermine public support for Social Security because right now it is very, very popular. You can't touch Social Security. It's the only reason why uh, any politician who's tried has failed to privatize it because the public really likes it. There is mass outrage anytime they try to touch Social Security. And trust me, they want to do it because their donors are hounding them to privatize Social Security because they could profit off of it. Wall Street would love it. The financial services industry has been trying to do this for decades now, ever since the Reagan revolution. But they failed because Social Security is our most popular social program. Now, currently, it's not a welfare program. But Hillary Clinton means testing would make it into a welfare program, and that would obviously undermine public support. Now, this isn't conspiratorial. You could read the book Social Insecurity, and it talks about this has been the direct, explicit strategy of people in the financial services industry. The first step is to undermine public support of Social Security. When you do that, you make it into a welfare program, and then you propose the solution to privatize it, thus getting what they want undermining social security and if you privatize it you basically destroy social security privatizing social security would be a disaster i don't have to spell that out for anyone it's common sense and so when hillary clinton talks about increasing benefits for the poorest people you really have to be careful because even though that sounds good on paper in theory she's actually doing what the financial services industry wants her to do. Now, I made a video about this more thoroughly explaining it. I'll link to that in the description box because I talk about why we can't trust Hillary Clinton with our social security. So again, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Read the book. It was written by academics, social insecurity. It explains that they have been very sneaky. That is the politicians, the financial services industry enshrining to privatize social security. Don't let them touch it. The only thing they can do is raise the cap. That's how you save and protect Social Security. You expand benefits. That's the only thing that we should allow them to do. And if they start talking about privatizing Social Security or means testing Social Security, you need to be really, really skeptical. One of the biggest complaints about Hillary Clinton consistently has been that she seems inauthentic, that she is a focus group, poll-driven politician who takes positions for purposes of political expediency. Uh, and this has not changed at all because she doesn't really help with that. Case in point. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. How do you do, fellow kids? What? Now, the reason is because she's a multimillionaire oligarch, so she tries to craft a approachable image so that way she could seem as though she's just like us peasants, but in actuality, we know that she is not. And a new report from the Associated Press shows the extent to which she really tries to control her image. They explain that emails obtained by the Associated Press reveal a careful behind-the-scenes effort to review introductory remarks for college presidents and students presenting the Democratic frontrunner as a speaker, as well as suggesting questions that happen to be aligned with her campaign platform. While it's not unusual for campaigns to plan detailed appearances, the exchanges preview the kind of image control apparatus that could could be deployed in the Clinton White House, including attempts to steer conversations with her audiences. They also run counter to her campaign's efforts to make Clinton look less wooden and scripted than she did when running eight years ago. Now, this report explains that the Clinton campaign tries to control every single minute detail, including the glassware that they use in the green room that she sits in before she speaks. <laughs> if you're controlling that, then you're really, you're inauthentic because that's something that us peasants don't even think about. Hmm, I wonder what glassware that she's using. Hmm, yes, this is the finest china. Nobody thinks about that, Hillary Clinton. Not us peasants, anyway. We're worried about the actual issues. So it's embarrassing that you would think that we care about that. And actually, <laughs> a little bit sad. Now, the campaign spokesman for Hillary Clinton, Nick Merrill, claims that the campaign is simply assisting people, uh, especially when it comes to their introductions to Hillary Clinton. Uh, and it's usually because they're asked to introduce her or they ask for help. That's false. So here's where it gets embarrassing. So when Hillary Clinton spoke at South Carolina's Greenville Technical College, the president of the college was supposed to introduce Hillary Clinton. Now, ahead of the event, the Clinton campaign literally emailed the PR director of the college and offered to write his entire introduction. They said no, for obvious reasons. Uh, and they also had tried to plant questions here. So the Associated Press writes, Clinton's campaign also suggested questions that Miller, the college president, could pose such as we have a number of students who have financial need what do we need to do to make college affordable 
college affordability is one of Clinton's campaign issues. But Miller dismissed the suggestions, calling them bad questions, and said he would develop his own probably after hearing her speech, he wrote. Oh my god. There's nothing genuine about Hillary Clinton. This just proves it. But it just goes to show that it's really, really embarrassing that she doesn't want to risk having authentic exchanges with people because she doesn't want to look bad. They're trying to craft this approachable Hillary image and that's just failed miserably. Now, additionally, uh, at a community college in Iowa, their president, Robert Denson, actually incorporated talking points from the Clinton campaign into his introduction, so he actually didn't reject their offer. And now her campaign also asks to see the introductory speeches. Uh, and of course, the reason why they do this is because, let's be honest, Hillary Clinton is not very good at speaking off the cuff. Everything she says is scripted, and when you actually ask her something that is a genuine question, you can really tell that it doesn't go too, uh, <laughs> doesn't go too well for her. Again, more examples. Is your answer and your and your your refusal to take leadership on climate change due to the fact that you have contributions from the fossil fuel industry in your campaign? No. No, it's not. And I look, I understand I know what the right answer in terms of getting votes would have been. The right answer would have been you bet I will ban extraction on public lands. And then if somebody said, and how are you gonna do that? Well, I will advocate for it. And how are you going to get it done? I will keep advocating for it. We have to change our energy policy. But what happened to you was a travesty. And I just can't even imagine what you went through and how terrible those days and nights must have been for all those years. And I know that all of us are so regretful that you or any person has to go through what you did. And I hope that now that you are standing here before us that you will have whatever path in life you choose uh, going forward. She is a multimillionaire. She can't possibly fathom what us peasants would be like. She thinks that we're stressing about the glassware that will be in the green room of events. Nobody cares about that. Look, we have genuine questions because you're going to be the leader of the world, effectively. So I don't think that you should be trying to plant questions at your events. You should allow us to really hold you up to a high scrutiny. You said yourself that being president of the United States is the most important job in the world. So people should be allowed to scrutinize you. They should be allowed to ask you questions. You should be facing them, uh, facing your opponent in debates. But you failed to do that because you have to control this fake image that nobody is buying. Look, if you can't even take questions from supporters at your own rally, how do you expect to debate Donald Trump? How do you expect to be president and actually hold press conferences in front of a press that is going to be jumping down your throat? You can't control everything, Hillary Clinton. Uh, and this is just sad right here. It's, it, you know, this doesn't really say much. It's not necessarily substantive. It's more ad hominem because it talks about her character more than anything. But at the same time, it just proves why many people dislike Hillary Clinton because like many politicians, not just Hillary Clinton, she is like the establishment. They can't empathize with everyday citizens. They don't know what we're like. They don't know what we care about. So this just shows it. And this is just sad. A new poll conducted by Rasmussen Reports demonstrates the shocking ignorance of Democratic voters. Now, before I even talk about the numbers, the thing to keep in mind is that Rasmussen is typically biased. They usually are skewed in favor of Republicans by about three or more points. And for this reason, 538 actually grades them as a C. But with that in mind, it does give us some insight into what voters think about Hillary Clinton's email investigation. So when it comes to whether or not she should continue to remain in the race, even if she's charged with a felony, 43% of likely voters think Hillary Clinton should immediately stop campaigning, while 50% of voters, that is, both Democrats and Republicans, think she should continue to run even if she's indicted. It makes sense for Republicans to say that she should continue to run because of course you'd want your opponent to run, someone who you don't want to run, uh, who you don't want to win to run, if they're being indicted and potentially charged with a felony because that makes it likelier that a Republican would win. But 
when it comes to Democratic voters, it doesn't make sense that you guys would say that she should continue to run, especially when you have someone else in the race, Bernie Sanders, who polls better against Donald Trump, who could take over for her if she is indicted. So this makes no sense when you think about it like that. But the most shocking part of the poll almost made my head pop off of my body. So when you control for party affiliation uh, and you ask that same question to Democrats, 71% of Democratic voters believe Clinton should keep running even if she's indicted. 71%. The overwhelming majority of Democratic voters say no, even if Hillary Clinton is indicted by the Justice Department, I want her to continue to run. Whatever happened to the fear-mongering that started at the beginning of this election when we were told that a vote for Bernie Sanders is a vote for Donald Trump because he's less electable? So you mean to tell me that you would still want Hillary Clinton to go up against a maniac like Donald Trump and risk him becoming the president of the United States just so Hillary Clinton can fulfill her narcissistic need to become president? This blows my mind. What are you guys thinking? How reckless is this? I, <laughs> when I saw this, I was speechless. I know this is Rasmussen, but let's, let's say uh, it's 10 percentage points less. It's 61%. <laughs> let's say 61% of Democratic voters want Hillary Clinton to remain in the race even after she's indicted. That's still a majority. Do you want to know what the number of Democratic voters who think she should remain in the race should be if she's indicted? Zero percent. Because that's insane. If Bernie Sanders was indicted, I love Bernie Sanders, but I'm sorry, bud. You got to drop out if you're indicted. That's just not going to make you a viable national election candidate because that's all the Republicans will talk about. Now, when you control for Republicans, only 30% want her to continue running, which it should be 100% of Republicans because, again, if you have someone who's being indicted running, that makes your candidate stronger. So nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody has a strategy in their head <laughs> about how to win. And 46% of unaffiliated voters want her to continue running. Uh, so... Yeah, this is mind-blowing to me. Now, some more numbers for you guys. So 40% of voters say that they are less likely to vote for Hillary Clinton because of the email issue, and 48% say it will have no impact on their vote, and 8% say it makes them more likely to vote for her. That 8% in the country? <laughs> I, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to comment. I'm going to refrain from speaking because I'm just going to say something incredibly rude. So, okay, 48% say it will have no impact on their vote. Even if it's the case that Hillary Clinton is not even recommended to be indicted by the FBI, it would have no impact on your vote. So someone who establishes a private email server in their house in order to avoid accountability, in order to shield her personal emails from being part of the federal record, that doesn't even give you pause for a minute and think, you know what, maybe I want someone who's going to be more transparent. Nothing? 48%. Say it has zero impact on whether or not they'd vote for her. So when it comes to scandals that the Republicans try to champion against Democrats, I understand why Democrats would be skeptical. They've tried to make Benghazi a scandal since it happened, when there's been no evidence of wrongdoing when it comes to Hillary Clinton. But if you don't take into consideration the audit released by the State Department, by the Inspector General, I don't know what to say. Now, again, this poll was released on May 31st, so this could have very well, most likely was conducted before that report was released. But still, even before then, we had the evidence, guys. We had the evidence showing that Hillary Clinton most likely violated the Federal Records Act. It doesn't make sense to me. And furthermore, many voters, in fact, the majority indicated that they do feel as though it's likely Hillary Clinton broke the law. 65% consider it likely or very likely that Clinton broke the law. 30% say it's unlikely, and 16% say it's not at all likely she broke the law. So some voters think she may have broken the law, and they don't care. It'll have no impact on their vote. I have <laughs> no hope after hearing this poll. Uh, now, just to give you guys some details about the methodology. So the survey includes 1,000 likely voters with a margin of error of plus or minus 3 percentage points and a 95% level of confidence. So this is really a troubling poll, and if Democratic voters, the portion of the country who should theoretically be more reasonable, more rational, 
feel as though Hillary Clinton should remain in the race, even after she's indicted, that's a big problem. Nobody knows strategy. Nobody knows the facts. And to me, I find this absolutely appalling. Hillary Clinton had some really strong words to say about Donald Trump, and she actually set the bar pretty high in terms of the viciousness of her criticism. So I will show you what she had to say, and then we'll get to Trump's response. Donald Trump's ideas aren't just different. They are dangerously incoherent. They're not even really ideas, just a series of bizarre rants, personal feuds, and outright lies. is not just unprepared, he is temperamentally unfit to hold an office that requires knowledge, stability, and immense responsibility. This is not someone who should ever have the nuclear codes, because it's not hard to imagine Donald Trump leading us into a war just because somebody got under his very thin skin. Credit where credit is due. I actually agreed with most of everything that she had to say there, but there is one part of that that I do take issue with. So she implied that uh, Donald Trump would be trigger happy and lead us into war because he has a bad temperament. Now, that's true. I'm not going to dispute that. I actually agree with it. Uh, but you're trigger happy too, Hillary. In fact, just a few episodes ago, Donald Trump used the same attack on you, and he actually has evidence to prove that you're trigger happy because you've never met a war that you didn't like. On foreign policy, Hillary is trigger happy. She is. She's trigger happy. She's got a bad temperament. And furthermore, all you have to point to with Donald Trump is his rhetoric. He can actually look to your record and say, look, Hillary Clinton, she voted for the Iraq war. She pushed Obama to overthrow Gaddafi in Libya. She wants to overthrow Assad in Syria. She wants a Syrian no-fly zone, which Donald Trump does want as well. But again, these are all actions that you've taken that prove that you're trigger happy. You thought that Obama was naive in 2008 when you were running against him when he actually said he wanted to construct some type of deal with Iran. And you also support the war crimes of Israel against the Palestinian people. So it's a joke that you would suggest anyone else is trigger happy. You have no room to talk. You are a hypocrite, Hillary. Now, did Donald Trump respond in the way that I did, which I think would be a good response to Hillary Clinton? Absolutely not. He went in the complete opposite direction. So first, he called her, quote, pathetic, and said he would investigate her use of a private email server if he became president. Okay. He also said her speech was, quote, sad, uh, and said it was boring to watch. <laughs> guy is a child um now he also brought up how she lies so much and this is what he had to say remember hillary clinton used to hate obama now it's yes sir yes mr president sir anything obama wants she's going forward with because you know why she doesn't want to go to jail. Now, he's, of course, referencing the fact that President Obama does have the power to pardon Hillary Clinton if the Justice Department does decide to pursue charges against her. Now, finally, this is what he had to say. It's the cherry on top of it all. He says, I will say this. Hillary Clinton has to go to jail. She is guilty as hell. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Republican nominee. Donald Trump said it officially. Hillary for prison 2016, guys. Um, how can you not laugh when you hear this? How can she even respond to this? I mean, look, is it the perfect response? No. Would I have said something different? Yes. Um, but, I mean, he is attacking Hillary Clinton at her biggest weakness. The fact that she's being investigated by the FBI for criminal wrongdoing. And everyone says that Bernie Sanders would be the weaker election candidate and that we shouldn't believe the polls that he would uh, do better against Trump because this whole communist thing, Trump would reinvoke the Red Scare and somehow uh, diminish Bernie Sanders' high favorability. Not true. Hillary Clinton is historically unliked for a reason. Donald Trump is as well. But, I mean, when he says Hillary Clinton should go to jail and implies that he would potentially uh investigate her this is crazy this is going to be a hilarious election if it really does come down to hillary clinton versus donald trump if she's not indicted before the convention
Seeing that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump have historically high unfavorability ratings, third-party candidates are actually polling at unprecedented levels. So according to a hypothetical matchup by The Morning Consult that pits Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, and Gary Johnson against each other, for those of you who don't know, Gary Johnson is the Libertarian Party nominee, Hillary Clinton polls at 38%, Donald Trump polls at 35%, Gary Johnson polls at 10%, and 17% of voters are undecided. Now, when you go to a Fox News poll, Donald Trump polls ahead at 42%. Hillary Clinton polls at 39%. That's just embarrassing. Uh, and Johnson polls at 10%. So that is two polls where a third-party candidate is polling in double digits. That tells you a lot about the current political situation. Now, those two polls exclude Jill Stein, but when you actually include her in the polls, she does cut into Gary Johnson's numbers, presumably. So, according to a poll conducted by Monmouth University, Hillary Clinton polls at 37%, Donald Trump polls at 31%, Gary Johnson polls at 5%, and Jill Stein polls at 4%. Now, they did not test whether or not the third-party candidates would do as well if Bernie Sanders was included in this hypothetical matchup, but I can guarantee they probably wouldn't be doing as well if they did include Bernie Sanders because he has mass appeal, he has crossover appeal, he can get independence, so I don't think that they would be polling as high. Now, when you contrast Gary Johnson's numbers uh, from 2016 with that of 2012, he was only polling at 1%. Now, the only other third-party candidate to actually be more successful than Gary Johnson at this point was Ross Perot. Now, Ross Perot was the only third-party candidate to actually poll better than Gary Johnson, and in 1992, Ross Perot polled at 19%, and in 1996, he polled at 8%. Now, additionally, Gary Johnson now even beats Ralph Nader, who in 2008 polled at 6% against McCain and Clinton and polled at 5% against McCain and Obama. Now, imagine this hypothetical scenario. Imagine if Bernie Sanders actually did accept Jill Stein's offer and joined her ticket. I can guarantee you at that point that the Bernie Sanders Jill Stein ticket would be polling even higher than Ross Perot. Guarantee it. But unfortunately, there are two reasons why this would never come to fruition. First of all, is that Bernie Sanders wouldn't do it because he'd feel as though he's betraying the Democratic Party, even though they've done nothing but backstab him or actually frontstab him and laugh in his face. Now, second of all, even if they were able to somehow capture a plurality of electoral votes, well, if no one ticket actually reaches 270 electoral votes, then the House of Representatives will get to decide, and they would most likely undermine the will of the people. They certainly wouldn't vote to elect Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein currently. So there's several reasons why this is unlikely, but it still needs to happen. Now, the question is, why are they polling so high? Well, it's obvious. People don't like Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. When it comes to voting for the lesser of two evils, they're so similar that you're not really voting for someone who you feel is the lesser of two evils, maybe maybe by a marginal percentage. But even if you vote against Donald Trump and get Hillary Clinton, you still have Hillary Clinton. So even though she's slightly better than Donald Trump, you still get Hillary Clinton if Donald Trump is defeated. And that's not a good thing. It's still bad for the country. How many wars will she start? How many economic policies will she concede to when it comes to negotiations between the Republicans? We know that Bill Clinton loved to negotiate with Republicans. He signed Republican welfare into law. So we can only presume that Hillary Clinton, who's also a third-way Democrat like her husband, Bill Clinton, will do the same thing. So that's why people are turning to third-party candidates. They're fed up. I'm tired of voting for a lesser of two evils, and many people are. So... If this election really does turn out to be a matchup between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, I would expect that these numbers would grow even higher. Libertarian Party nominee Gary Johnson had some strong words to say about Donald Chicken Shit Trump. Take a look. State governor, it's incendiary to 50% of the population of New Mexico that he's talking about Hispanics, Mexicans in this way when the absolute opposite is true. They call him out on what is really racist. It's just racist. Now, he talked about what he had to say about Trump on CNN with Chris Cuomo, and he even decided to taunt Trump a little bit. Trump will say, one, being Mexican is not a race. Two, as you know, former Governor Johnson, 
The people coming across the border illegally are often not the best that Mexico has to offer. That isn't true, Chris. That, that's what, that is what is so misunderstood. The people coming across the border are people that just want jobs. The jobs are there, but, there but they can't get the But there are criminals who come as well. That's absolutely. So how about making a system whereby it would be easy to get a work visa a moving line to get across the border, getting having a work visa, so that the people crossing the border illegally, that the Border Patrol would actually be able to identify those people as opposed to mothers with children that are actually waiting across the Rio Grande because of jobs that exist and they can't get over to, uh, to, to take advantage but of But is them. Trump wrong when he says they also send the worst, not the best. No. They're rapists and murderers that uh, come as well. Absolutely untrue. But you have Statistically, the cases like the one in San Francisco, not look, only did give not, a bash to sanctuary cities, but showed that this guy had been kicked out, he comes back in, he kills somebody. Statistics. You know, you always have the worst. And I don't want to in any way defend the worst, but statistically, legal, illegal immigrants commit far less crime than U.S. citizens. That's statistically speaking. Are you ready for Donald Trump, once you're in this thing and he recognizes you, to give you a big I, punch in the nose for calling him a racist? I think that they, they've already started coming. So, you know, Donald. That's an interesting rebuttal you have there, Governor. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I liked it. Now, Trump, because he's triggered so easily, because he's very PC, he can't handle it when anyone talks smack about him, so he had to respond. He said, uh, I look at Gary Johnson, and I watch him, and I watch his motions, and I watch what he says. I think that he's a fringe candidate. Okay, I don't really know what most of that means by watching his motions and stuff. That actually seems creepy. But by saying he's a fringe candidate, that's just entirely inaccurate. He may be a third-party candidate, but that doesn't inherently make him a fringe candidate. Donald Trump is the definition of a fringe candidate. He's a right-wing extremist who literally wants to implement fascist policies. I'm going to tell you what's fringe. Creating a Muslim ID system and banning them from entering or exiting the country? That's fringe. Wanting to actually kill civilians is fringe. Saying that you'll force Mexico to pay for a wall on our southern border is absolutely fringe. You're the definition of fringe, Donald Trump. Gary Johnson is actually on the political spectrum. You're off the spectrum, buddy. You're fringe. You have zero right to call anyone fringe ever. And furthermore, what Donald Trump doesn't realize is that this fringe candidate here is polling at 10% in two polls. So this fringe candidate may very well take away enough votes from you to cost you the election, Donald Trump. So you don't get to call Gary Johnson fringe because he's talking shit about you and is being accurate in his critiques of you. You're the fringe candidate, and your supporters are right-wing extremists. They're fringe. So uh, I absolutely love this. I think that Gary Johnson, of all the libertarians, even more so than Rand Paul, is a phenomenal candidate. I don't agree with him on 100% of the issues, but about 60 to 70%, I think he's 100% right. So I really hope that Gary Johnson continues to attack Trump because... Uh, what I've learned throughout this election is that if you actually want to get media coverage and you're not Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, you have to attack Donald Trump. Bernie Sanders got press coverage when he attacked him. Hillary Clinton gets a, a press coverage when she attacks him. And third-party candidates get press coverage when they attack Donald Trump. So if Gary Johnson keeps this up, he could rise even higher in the polls. So I applaud you. In an interview with Rolling Stone, Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein weighed in on the state of the Democratic primary, and she had some really interesting things to say about Hillary Clinton in, in particular. She actually made a feminist case against Hillary Clinton. Now, first, she talked about how the Green Party has been consistently better than the Democratic Party when it comes to women's issues because, one, they actually have a gender quota and require 50% of all candidates to be women, and additionally, they've had all-female tickets for the past two election cycles. Uh, so for that reason, she contends that they are better on women's rights issues. Now, she also proves that Hillary Clinton doesn't care about the rights of all women, and Rolling Stone explains, Stein stresses that reproductive rights and equal pay, both of which the progressive Greens support, of course, aren't the only women's issues. The Greens want more, like Medicare for all, single-payer, public health insurance that includes reproductive health care. They want equal pay, but they also want a $15 minimum wage for all people. Everybody is entitled to solid living wages, which we don't hear from Hillary Clinton. She's quick to talk about parity, 
but parody at poverty. And that's not adequate, Stein says. Women generally, Stein says, get hit hard when there's economic injustice, when there's racial injustice, when there's sexual violence, when there's health injustice. Women are very vulnerable. We're vulnerable in part because we're busy taking care of young people and we take care of our parents and our families and our communities. When there is injustice out there, it tends to flow in our direction. So she's absolutely right. When you look at any disadvantaged group, it's always women who typically deal with injustice more so than their male counterparts. Now, this is something that nobody talks about. Hillary Clinton talks about equal pay, but that's such a great point that if it's parity of poverty, then you're not really helping anyone. So you want to get people out of poverty. And if you do that, you will help women disproportionately. Single mothers in particular, they will benefit from a $15 minimum wage. So the fact that Hillary Clinton calls herself a feminist, to me, it's laughable. Just because you're a woman does not mean you're automatically a feminist. Now, in the second part here, this is where Jill Stein really goes in on Hillary Clinton. And I think she absolutely just demolishes her. So she states, we, as in her and the Green Party, don't support bombing other people's kids, unlike the other woman in the race. Damn. Referring to Clinton's support for airstrikes in Syria, the U.S. should not be in the business of buoying up oppressive dictators like Saudi Arabia that is sponsoring jihadi terrorism world over, as Hillary Clinton herself said in a State Department memo put out by WikiLeaks. Stein also invokes ongoing immigration and customs enforcement deportation raids that target women and children who are fleeing what? U.S. policies of regime change in South America, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, countries where we have overturned democracies either through our U.S.-trained death squads or military coups or CIA-supported coups. It's a fallacy that Hillary Clinton is the lesser evil here. Another Clinton in the White House is just going to fan the flames of the right-wing revolt, she says. Okay, this is the strongest refutation of the Hillary Clinton is a feminist myth that I've ever seen. Unlike the other woman in the race, we don't support bombing other people's kids. Damn, I don't know what to say about that. Jill Stein has no chill whatsoever. She took the words right out of my mouth. If you think that Hillary Clinton cares about the rights of all women, you're horribly mistaken. She's using identity politics to win. Consistently, she's proven that she absolutely cares about some women. She cares about reproductive rights. She cares about the rights of rich women. But she doesn't really care about all women because if she did, she would support policies that would boost everyone, that would help women disproportionately, such as the $15 minimum wage, as I've stated, such as not intervening in foreign countries. Because believe it or not, as a humanist, I care about people in other countries as well. It's not just American citizens that I care about. I care about the families, women, children, men in other countries as well. We're all humans. We inhabit the same earth. By and large, we have the same interests. We want to be happy. We want to provide for our families and whatnot. Hillary Clinton doesn't get that because she's not a humanist. She's proven she's not a humanist, and she's not even a progressive. She's a conservative. So everything Jill Stein said here is 100% dead on. And if she hasn't earned your vote by now, then you should really look into her because Jill Stein has a lot of great things to say. So if Bernie Sanders isn't the nominee... Jill Stein really is the next best thing. In fact, she's probably stronger than Bernie Sanders on a lot of issues. So really, uh, Jill Stein, again, I applaud her because what she's saying is the truth. In San Jose, California, a Donald Trump campaign rally drew hundreds of protesters. Now, before I've talked about how Donald Trump has incited violence and how his supporters have actually physically assaulted protesters that do show up to his events. And now I have to be absolutely objective and report the facts as they come. So now it's the case that there are anti-Trump protesters that got violent and physically assaulted Donald Trump supporters. So there are reports of them snatching off pro-Donald Trump hats and burning them. Uh, they're snatching away signs that say uh, Donald Trump 2016 on them. Uh, something was thrown at a guy's head who supports Trump and he was injured and was bleeding. And additionally, a woman was assaulted. There were eggs literally thrown at her face and she was taunted by a huge group of anti-Trump protesters. Here's a clip of that.
You didn't say anything to anybody? You were just walking out? Or what? I was walking out with our Trump sign. He grabbed my Trump sign and started following me. Saying I was like a racist. You said and stuff. Your blood? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you literally didn't say blood. anything to, to provoke them. I was like, yeah, Trump, Trump. Nobody ever has the right to do violence against another human being, ever. I don't care what they said to you. Get over it. People can say mean things, they can say what they want, but you never, ever have the right to do violence. You can protest First Amendment rights. You can be there all day and protest. You can scream as loud as you want, but the minute you actually use violence, you lose. You become the bad guy. You become everything that you hate. So you don't like the divisiveness, you don't like the incendiary rhetoric that Donald Trump uses. Well, that's just rhetoric. Rhetoric is rhetoric. Words mean nothing at the end of the day. But when you actually are as bad as his supporters who have assaulted people, well, then you're no different. You are no different. And you do nothing to further your progressive cause at all. Nothing. Now, we have no idea if this is Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton supporters. That's not disclosed. But regardless, if it is Bernie Sanders supporters... These are my people. We don't do violence. We're progressives for a reason. It's never okay. Never acceptable. It's not okay when Donald Trump supporters use physical violence, and it's certainly not okay when progressives or liberals or conservatives or anyone uses violence. So this is unacceptable. I have to condemn this. Um, if you want to protest Donald Trump, again, that's fine. But to actually taunt people, to physically assault them, that's just inhumane, and you're proving that you're worse than them. Over the course of the last year since I've been doing this podcast, uh, it's been a consistent theme that I feel really disenfranchised by the Democratic Party. Uh, and I've been criticized on Twitter by Hillary Clinton supporters because I haven't really been a true Democrat. I constantly criticize the party. And I've been told that if I don't like the party, I need to leave the party. Well, I am happy to report today that I'm going to take their advice. I will be leaving the Democratic Party. So on July 29th, the day after the Democratic Convention in Philadelphia, if Bernie Sanders does not emerge as the Democratic nominee, I will be dumping the Democratic Party and will switch my registration status to independent. And I want you to join me. So currently, independents make up the largest voting bloc in the country at 43%. And currently, only 26% of citizens are registered as Republicans and 30% are registered as Democrats. So the goal of Dump Dems Day is to bring down that percentage even more. So the problem is that the Democratic Party no longer represents the people. They serve at the behest of their corporate donors, and I'm not okay with that. See, Bernie Sanders gave us a real chance at actual Democratic representation, but what they did is the aggregate Democratic establishment, while well, they spat in his face. They laughed at him. They spat in the face of progressives everywhere, and they said, no, we are not ready to actually support the people we want to serve only to support the people who get us into office, i.e. the billionaire class, the elite class. So when it comes to ordinary citizens, you want universal health care? You want a $15 minimum wage? That's too bad. So since they are giving me the middle finger and giving everyone the middle finger, we're waving goodbye to the Democrats. Now there are some technicalities to iron out. So will you be able to participate in future Democratic primaries if you do switch your status to independent? Well, that's going to vary based on your state. So in the event that you do live in a closed or semi-closed primary state, you will have to re-register with the party someday. But the point is to switch all at once to make a big splash and actually send a message to the Democratic Party and let them know that we're dissatisfied with their behavior. Now, there are some states that have later primaries. So for example, if you live in Florida, you're not going to want to switch on July 29th because then you won't be able to vote out Debbie Wasserman Schultz. So what you want to do is switch the day after in those states that have late primaries. Now, if you can't actually dump Democrats on July 29th, then be extra sure that you head on over to humanistreport.com, click on Dump Dems Day, and you sign that petition. Everyone should sign the petition, but especially if you're not able to dump Democrats on July 29th, sign that petition and let them know that if they aren't going to represent us, they will no longer have a party. They will no longer have constituents. Now, even if you're not Bernie or Bust, you can still participate in Dump Dems Day. In fact, many Bernie Sanders supporters, I'm guessing, are going to vote for Hillary Clinton if they do live in swing states. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't be able to vote for Hillary Clinton or whoever you want in the general election. The general election will be open to everyone. So by switching to an independent, that's not going to impact your eligibility at that level. So please, even if you are still slightly dissatisfied 
with the Democratic Party, if you feel as though you're only voting for Hillary Clinton to prevent Donald Trump from winning, that's still bad. You should be able to vote for someone who you legitimately want to become president, not vote against someone who you don't want to be president. So if you feel as though you're in that camp, join us on July 29th, Dump Dems Day. Use the hashtag on Twitter. Use the hashtag on Facebook. We want this to grow huge. We want the Democratic Party to know that they can no longer continue to govern in the way that they are. You see, if we can't get a political party that's actually progressive, then our goal will be to disband the Democratic Party altogether in hopes that a new progressive party will reemerge that actually represents the people. How crazy is that? In a representative republic, we want actual leaders who will represent our interests and not the interests of elites. So if you feel the way that I do, if you feel disenfranchised, if you feel that the corruption can no longer continue, if you actually want a party that's going to get money out of politics, then join me. Dump the Democrats. Switch to an independent. Switch to unaffiliated. Just don't remain registered as a Democrat. Join me on July 29th. Let's send them a message that they will definitely hear. Well, that's the episode. I want to thank everyone for tuning in every single week, and I want to welcome all of my newest subscribers to the channel. Again, 50,000 is mind-boggling to me, so I'm really happy that um, everyone is showing up and watching the videos. We also have a really high view count in uh, comparison with other larger news channels such as the Young Turks. We actually compete with them uh, when it comes to video views in some areas. Now look, I'm not competing with anybody uh, because unlike the mainstream media outlets, you actually have to turn off CNN to watch MSNBC th so they are in competition with each other. But for me, with other progressive news outlets, we all win when the message gets out there because you can watch a Young Turks video and then watch a Humanist Report video right after. You don't have to uh, sacrifice one for the other. So it's a win when progressives win. So in the end, I don't know what point I'm trying to make, but, <laughs> oh, I was talking about views. Anyways, look, we're doing great. And this is all because of you guys. Thank you so much for supporting the channel, even if you just watch. That's all I need. Even to the people who subscribe just to click thumbs down on every single video. Look, at least you're watching. So thank you. Uh, look, I'll see you guys next week.